jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of Darkness! This has been a crappy week. Right? I think we can agree on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I it it's quite shit. <laughs> I'd say quite on the on the shit meter. Raw the shit, I say. It, and this week, like you said, this is this is one of the most exhausting. Yeah. You know how far I've been pushed. Let me tell you. I'm not going to oh, sit no. here and complain oh, about no. this quarantine and things because who wants to really listen to it, right? But I will say, this is how far I've been pushed this week. You personally. I put on Netflix, okay? And my finger, well, my thumb. I don't separate the thumb from the fingers, honestly, right? Like, it's a, they're it's, all on the hand. Yeah, it's a digi- um, digit worthy of manipulation. I had the Netflix on. I had my thumb hovering over the button on my controller, my Xbox controller. I almost pressed play on The Green Inferno. (gasps) The Eli Roth cannibal holocaust throwback film? Yeah. Film is a strong word. Yeah. So that's where I was this week. Wow, Stacey. You know why? Why? I'll tell you why. First of all, because... You know, our brains are all... Do we have any control over them at this point? No, no. No. But also because it stars his hot ex-wife who's lesing out right now. Oh, you told me about this. She is. She's full-on les, right? Yeah. She left him for the lady love. Yeah. She's a real babe, let me tell you. And she stars in that movie. And I thought, well... There are probably worse ways to spend 90 minutes. And then I thought, are there, though? (laughs) What's her name? Lorenza Izzo. She is now currently starring as Santa Muerte in the new Penny Dreadful. Oh, She was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was Leonardo DiCaprio's wife. I haven't seen it, but you have, sure. Wait! I love her. Yeah. She's super hot. She's a, yeah, she's she is. A hilarious in that movie, too. Oh, my God. I love her. Mm-hmm. Well, good for her. She got away from Eli Roth. She played that lady in that movie. She's hot. Yeah. So you came, you. I came real close. I thought, you know what? Like, uh, whatever. All bets are off. Why not watch a cannibal movie? At least I know there's not going to be any real animal torture in it, right? That's true. At least it's contemporary, so you know that there were some oversights and union voices and animal groups. A, for a flash of a moment, I thought I can watch this hot lady and relive the sort of illicit nature of my teenage years with a cannibal movie. You know, you go yeah. through that phase, that faces of death phase in your teenage oh. years. You watch all the gross shit on VHS yeah. on a small TV. Absolutely. And so I thought, 
And then, but then, like I said, I stopped myself and I thought, you don't really want to do this. Is nostalgia a good <laughs> thing in this regard, particularly? And you could just go look at a picture of her and that'd be fine. Did you look at a picture of her? It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy, I think. What you are describing, actually, I think this constitutes as a near-death experience. <laughs> I think you're right. I was about to step completely into the light, and I heard a voice calling me back to the operating table. Yeah, she was reaching out to you from the rainbow bridge, saying, come closer. <laughs> hey! Hey! <laughs> yeah, she was like basically Jessica Lang and all that jazz. Yeah, just... Tits out, angel of death in you <laughs> yeah. to the to the she to was release. Santa Muerte-ing me, <laughs> and I was ready to go. Oh, it was so close. Do you think I'll watch it? Do you think I will? I wonder. I, Is this the I new Poison you, Ivy Blu-ray box set? Will I? I won't think I? you might because if we have learned nothing else from the show, we are gluttons for punishment. That's true. Maybe we should we both watch it, huh? We are true sadists. Well, and it's funny that you say that. And I love that now you're trying to rope me into your evil pyramid scheme. You well, monster. now people listening will say, yeah, you guys should do an episode on it. Well, because I I have had the same temptation. Interesting. Not because I didn't know shit about her, but I, and I hate Eli Roth and I've hated every film of his. Film is such, I keep saying that's such a strong word for him. I've hated every pointing of a camera that he's done. <laughs> and yet, something about that movie, I had a bizarre curiosity, right? I, I think I justified it in the same terms that you brought up. Yeah, the teenagerness of it. Yeah. Oh, no. Stacy, let go of me. Stop dragging me into the pit with you. Come into the light, Anthony. <laughs> Santa, hey. Santa Muerte and I are here and everything's great. <laughs> I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. What do I have left to lose these days? Fuck. Do I have to watch this with you? I think so. If I'm going to do it, you have to do it. That's what <sighs> being a podcast partner is all about. Oh, it's true. It's in our legally binding contract. But you watch it and you say to yourself, oh my gosh, look at her. And then you can remember she's lesing out. So if is nothing she... else, there's that. And she's like the final girl. I guess so, probably. I hope. I mean, they were, I they were married her. at the time, so... I've only, as far as I know, I've only really seen her in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I loved her. Yeah, she's great. Oh, Stacy, she wears this outfit that every time it came on screen, I gasped. And then Maddie <laughs> had to Photoshop Carla's head into the outfit. And I might have printed a poster and put it on oh. my wall. Oh. It's, I love her. Oh, fuck. God damn, damn you, Stacy. <laughs> Yay. This, I, it, I. Why do we always have to roleplay Orpheus and Eurydice? <laughs> Ever since goddamn portrait, you make me keep turn, turning around. <laughs> Return a trois. <laughs> and it's me in a white gown with Santa Muerte by my side. My Samara's hacked my email. <laughs> yeah. my God. God damn. Well, it wouldn't be disaster July if we weren't 
if we picking. weren't if we weren't disasters if we weren't disasters the films themselves are pretty good but yeah. it's our choices <laughs> yeah in every other aspect of our lives this month yeah I, you know i i can't believe i would even begin to sanction these thoughts but I feel like I must have come down with the P the ponder virus, the P virus, <laughs> where now these detrimental choices <laughs> just seem so alluring. Yeah, they don't only affect me anymore. God damn it! Oh well. So look for our Green Inferno episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coming to an ear hole near you soon. The P virus is mutating, and now we're watching <laughs> Eli Roth films. <laughs> We we are monsters. These are um, uncertain times. But that's for the future, if there is a future. We're living in the now, baby, by which I mean we're living in the past. 1974. 1974, a little movie called Earthquake! Exclamation mark. It tells you in the title what you're going to get. I mean, the Poseidon adventure. What does that tell you? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I have no idea what that is. But earthquake, right there, you know. Yeah, a towering inferno. Like you, you can put two and two together. But like other, that just means a tall fire, right? But an earthquake. Mm-hmm. And if they need it, if you needed any more understanding of what those words illustrate, then you look at the beautiful poster design that just shows things on fire and people falling over. <laughs> She tells you who she is right in her business card. And you know what it says on my business card? Oh, yeah. I love Earthquake. Is it the best disaster movie? I don't know. In my humble and expert opinion, absolutely it is. Is it my favorite regardless? Absolutely it is. Yeah. I I think that's all warranted. Yeah. I, uh, I, and I have not, granted, I have not seen a lot of the disaster films, but this one is my favorite, yeah. I think. Although, <laughs> I do have a very soft spot for Airport 75 now. <laughs> but well, that's yeah. a different story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is the one for me, baby. I'm telling well, you. Well, and Stacy, does it not all come down to this cast? I know we say that, but but that's what these disaster movies are. are that's what they're cast. all about. They're all about. And this one, cast of a lifetime. Cast of a lifetime. Excuse me. <laughs> Lauren Green, okay, of television's <laughs> Bonanza. <laughs> oh, no, it begins. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ava Gardner. Who needs no introduction or outroduction? <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> it's Ava Gardner. First of all, she was married to Mickey Rooney, which you say to yourself, all right. I wow. Guess. Yeah, right? In top form, she comes in and her first line is, God damn it! <laughs> she like kicks a pillowcase or something out of her way. <laughs> yeah. She is in top diaphanous gown form here oh i love her who uh, also it must be mentioned is playing the daughter of lauren green <laughs> who is only seven years older than her 
<laughs> and I say, this is one time where age disparate casting of mothers and daughters and sons and fathers, any of that, yeah, it works out. <laughs> well, it's hardly ever that, I mean, it's, uh, to me, it says that she's playing younger than she is, not that he's playing older. Exactly. And that never happens. Exactly. Meanwhile, Mama Mia 3, Cher plays Meryl Streep's mom, and they're like a year apart in age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in this, Ava Gardner is playing the much younger daughter of Lauren Green. I will say in this and like certain Grand Dame Guignol movies, I'm thinking particularly of Straight Jacket starring Joan Crawford. Oh, yeah, classic. The women did play much younger than themselves because it's like, you've got Joan Crawford. Just fucking let her do it all. So does Joan Crawford at 60 play herself at like 30? <laughs> yes. And does she sell it? Yeah. And does she sell it? Absolutely. You look at her and you say, she's at least 50. But she it doesn't great. matter. It doesn't matter. Right? It's Joan Crawford. <laughs> Let her do whatever she wants. If I was to, if I was pushing a crib, I mean a, a baby carriage, whatever you put a baby in with wheels <laughs> on it. A pram. A pram. If I was pushing a pram. <laughs> I did down the, uh, I guess they just call them streets over there. Anyway. Cockney Nanny Stacy. <laughs> yeah, Nanny 911 Part 2. Uh, whatever. If I pushed a thing over and it had a baby <laughs> in it, and you looked in, and it, the point is Joan Crawford can play a baby, okay? <laughs> now you're pushing baby grips over. <laughs> Look, we're in a pandemic. Anything's possible. Joan, and yes, you're right. Joan Crawford did play Benjamin Button in <laughs> Straight Jacket. <laughs> right. But I don't know. The timelines do mix up because then if we talk Grand Dame Guignol, then we also have um, Gloria Swanson as a 50-year-old playing like a 300-year-old corpse woman <laughs> in Sunset Boulevard. Right, yeah. It goes both ways. Or it's like, oh, she's so old. And then you find out the character is like 36. <laughs> This crone. Yeah. Will she what? take to the woods anytime soon? <laughs> I signed me name in She's the She's seen her 35th summer, you know. <laughs> oh no, she's pushing over a pram again. Is that woman pushing a crib down the street? <laughs> There's the wheels. Is Joan Crawford sitting in it? What the <laughs> she's the baby? She's an egg lady from fucking Pink Flamingo. Yes! <laughs> anyway, oh. anyway, Ava Gardner. Is perfect. Is perfect. George Kennedy, my beloved George Kennedy, is extra perfect in this movie. We love him. Playing the one good cop. And you say to yourself, there are no good cops. But you know why he's the one good cop? Because he quits being a cop because he realizes being a cop sucks. Because we're supposed, aren't we supposed to help people? Yeah. That never happens. the problem happens. in the system. That never happens. No, he punches out the county trooper. Yeah. Who yells at him for uh, making somebody crash into Zsa, Zsa Gabor's hedge. Any movie <laughs> that features Zsa, Zsa Gabor's hedge, which is not a euphemism. <laughs> unless you want it to be. It could be. It could be. Uh, is a movie for me. Right. Any, honestly, any Zsa Zsa adjacent 
<laughs> adjacentivity. <laughs> mm-hmm. If Jaja is anywhere near the premises of this film, yeah. of any film, if a Nightmare movie on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street, is it in the Jaja Gabor expanded universe? Yes, <laughs> this is what I want. That's the series James One <laughs> needs to do. Exactly. Uh, we have. Excuse me. Okay. <gasps> This movie features Marjo fucking Gortner, which, if you read Final Girl, you know that I believe I have a tag on there that says Marjo fucking Gortner. Okay? <laughs> Do you know? Are you a big stan? I am! You know why? Do you know of Marjo Gortner? No, I just, I said this character is so confusing in this film. That then I and I and I said, and they're almost as confusing as their name, Marjo Gortner, is the actor's name. So then I looked and I read that he was like the world's first appointed preacher at like four years old or something, and wrote a play about being a Presbyterian preacher or something. First of all, his name Marjo is a portmanteau of Mary and Joseph. This is how you know his parents were some real fucking evangelicals, right? Oh, that's like, that's like pray instead of take you to the hospital weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when he was a child and displayed an ability to like speak well, I guess. Talk to snakes or something. And just be, you know, an articulate, entertaining child. They made him a preacher and he would go around and do the evangelical tent revival all that kind of shit, right? Jesus camp. <clears throat> Jesus camp shit. Made so much money doing this. And then one day his dad took all the money and fucked off. Um, and then Marjo left and went to the West Coast and became like a beatnik. Okay. Oh. But then he didn't have any money. And so he said, hey, being an evangelical made a lot of money. So he started doing that again. As a non-believer... He was doing this just to make money. And he was then a snake oil preacher. Yeah. And then a documentary crew started following him and he revealed all of this. He would go out and perform and then come backstage and be like, I don't believe in any of this. None of these people believe in any of this. Everybody's just making money. When I got into the game, they told me how to hide my money that I was making, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then he became an actor and starred in Earthquake and Food of the Gods, opposite uh, Ida Lupino, and uh, also uh, the Exorcist Rebatha Mausoleum. I love Marjorie Gordner. F- this, oh no, but then you, this all loops back because then you say Exorcist um, ripoff, and then you say a documentary about a fake preacher, and then I think uh, this all, this, Stacy, this world is full circle. I'm getting the signs because that's the plot of The Last Exorcism. Mm hmm. Produced by Eli Roth, who did the Green and Oh my god, his wife is so hot! (laughs) It all goes back to come to the Rainbow Bridge, Stacey. Hey! Hey! Cross the Rainbow Bridge. You are blowing my mind. I had no idea. I just said, what a strange character. The character is so strange, but also I feel like the character is really truthful and real. Like that special breed of incel man who puts pictures of weightlifters on his wall as inspiration 
and has knives on his walls as you know like you can't trust anyone who has a samurai sword on their wall right <laughs> well they either also speak klingon and then you can trust them <laughs> yeah but you know the mall ninja type you know <laughs> And I thought it was such an amazing touch that, like, he's changing into his National Guard uniform, which includes a wig, thank you, to cover up his uh, non, uh, whatever you call it, hair. It's yeah, yeah, he's regulatory. His non-regulation hair. He puts on because he wig. he he is a wig enthusiast. You're, yeah. you're right. But he opens up his little closet door, and like on his apartment walls or his room walls, there's all these like Arnold Schwarzenegger types. Inside his closet is a picture of a topless Asian woman. Oh, I missed that. And that to me was such a true, like that tied the whole character together for me of this like macho incel who can't talk to women, but fetishizes like Asian women and swords and all this kind of shit. Oh, I, it's coming together now. The, the, the circles continue to (laughs) come together. I get it now. I, yeah, because I was confused because there's that weird scene where the guys come in and they're like, you a fag, Jody, when they see all the bodybuilder pictures. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, so he's, like, this, like, hippie shopkeeper that has a thing for Victoria Principal. Oh, spoiler, who is also in this cast. But then he also is gay and has these bodybuilder things. But then he also is a rapist creep incel. Yeah. No, the bodybuilding is just, like, the inspirational thing. Yeah, that's his his, his thinspo. Yeah. Fitspo. Yeah, exactly. And But then I did wonder how much of, like, that... Because this is also 1974, and, you know, films is product of their times. And I was wondering how much of that depiction of him was, like, also just sort of that vitriol against, like, Vietnam veterans or soldiers over Vietnam. Mm. Which felt sort of irresponsible, but also I can totally see that toxic incel dude aspect. Yeah, to me, he never read as an actual... He he read as, like, a cosplayer. Yeah. He, which he literally know, was! Yeah, he's in the National Guard... And is, like, the big man. He's, like, he just reminded me of, like, those militia dudes who need to, like, go protest that they have to wear a mask and bring their big gun with them. But they've never actually fucking done anything in their lives. Yeah. Yeah, and he even has his, like, Superman quick change in his (laughs) closet. The wig is really what (laughs) got me going with this guy. Well, how could it not? Wow. It's a wig. Wow. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Victoria Principle, which, how much time do we have here? <laughs> I mean... All we have is time. Victoria Principle. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, Victoria Principle of a little television show you might have heard me mention once or twice. Uh, Dallas, okay? Oh, uh, which... Which, Stacey, also, I think you need to tell people about, a little bit about your connection to Dallas. Uh, Yes, I have recently resurrected my Dallas blog, wherein I recap an episode every Friday. It's called Dallas Reviewed. It's available at dallasreviewed.blogspot.com. You can just Google Dallas Reviewed. Uh, It is, perhaps, with the exception of this show that we're doing right now, the Gaylords of Darkness, I mean. I don't mean this episode in particular. Aside from Gaylords of Darkness, Dallas Reviewed is my favorite thing to do in the whole world. Oh, I love that. 
Uh, and you do an episode a week. I do an episode every week. It is very freeing. Uh, and I love it. And I especially love Victoria Principal. Also, like, she is a legit... I was going to say humanitarian, but she's like an animaltarian. Mm-hmm. An environmentalitarian. And also the queen bee of a fucking cosmetics... Or, well, skincare, not even cosmetics. A skincare empire. Mm-hmm. Much like the the lead character of The Seventh Victim, except if she wasn't pushed to suicide by Satanists. Or Wasp Woman. Or Wasp Woman. If she didn't become a literal Wasp Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Which often happens. Which can happen if you're not careful with that royal jelly. <laughs> Just get a little too hopped up on that jelly, start wasping out. That's right, that's right. Excuse me, though, Victoria Principal, okay? Uh, she was Pam Ewing on Dallas for five seasons. And then they wouldn't pay their writers, and so all of the writers quit, and she said, excuse me, now we have bad writers because you wouldn't pay the writers. Therefore, I am also leaving the show. And she stepped away. She already had her skincare empire going at this time. She was already an environmentalist in the late 70s, like when earthquake is happening, she was already an environmentalist. She made hundreds of millions of dollars with her skincare line. And used it for philanthropical purposes, animal rehabilitation, uh, saving the oceans, saving the planet, and it's cruelty-free. She no longer owns the skincare line, but regardless, it's cruelty-free. There you go. Yeah. So. Yeah, she sold it to Guffy Ranker to go take care of animals full-time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know people don't care, but I don't care about that. Victoria Principal is a fucking queen. And I think everyone should recognize it. She's really amazing. Uh, she's a great person. And also, she's really fucking cool in this movie. She's so cool in just this movie. Look at, not to just reduce an amazing, incredible philanthropist and really genuinely good person um, to their looks, but also she's really hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that... It's an afro, right? Yeah, this is a legit afro. She apparently had hair, like, down to her waist... Um, and then she cut it off and styled it like this because I guess in the book or in the script it said this character had this hair and she really wanted this part. And so she literally did that to her hair for the audition. Yeah, I, yeah, I read she just showed up to the audition like that and then they just cast her. It, I mean, good call. Yeah, she is lit and legit as Rosa. <laughs> who purchases the groceries from Marjo Gortner. Yeah. <laughs> And then finds herself weaved into a complicated web between this incel and between (laughs) a stuntman. (laughs) (laughs) A stuntman played by Richard Roundtree of Shaft fame. Shaft, motherfucker. He is Miles Quaid, my motorcycle daredevil. How very quintessentially 70s is that? So 70s. But he wears his yellow and black leather evil Knievel-esque outfit and he literally gets to be a superhero in this. Yeah, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And we get to see him do his little ramp tricks. <laughs> a loop-de-loop. Except, well, the first loop where just, the motorcycle just falls upside down and crushes him. I don't see how it could ever work. I don't. I don't have what it takes to do this kind of thing. No, I say, what's the point? No, there's no evil Knievel in me. No. 
Not even jackass. Like, I can't. <laughs> that's just... Not, not look, these days. No. When no, in no, my no, youth, no, no, no. perhaps. In my oh. youth, absolutely. Let's yeah, but real. when you're a kid, you're supposed to do stupid shit like that. Mm-hmm. As an adult, I say, you know. You know uh, no, thanks. I would like to wear an inflatable suit, perhaps, just to ensure... That no harm will come to me. You're on your stunt tricycle with your sumo suit. <laughs> yes, that's what I should wear my sumo suit in my salad bar tank. <laughs> I will be harmed not by germ nor you, pointy thing. As you jump through a hoop of fire <laughs> on my way to Walgreens. Is... <laughs> right. Richard Roundtree looks over. And, what the fuck? <laughs> but he has to give me props. Yeah, it gives you thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> For effort. For effort. That sumo, did you see what that sumo did? <laughs> Is that sumo in a salad tank? <laughs> with a sidecar crib with Joe Crawford in it? <laughs> Is she dressed like a baby? <laughs> Must be a 70s disaster epic. <laughs> yep. There you go. Who else? Charlton Heston. Who cares? I get it that he was like the 70s virile man leading male, but I loathe him so much. Stacy. He's repulsive. Why was he a thing ever? It was the time. Like, I felt, you know, I felt some level of, of egregious happening in Airport 75, but but for most of it, I just got to watch Karen Black and Gloria Swanson. Well, mm-hmm. she was only in two minutes, but you know, I got to spend more time with these other cast of characters. Yeah. Whereas there is so much more Charlton Heston and Earthquake, and I just say, like, like was he too macho to refuse makeup? Like, why was he sweating he's and red? So sweaty. All he's the time. so sweaty, and he's always he's always doing this teeth thing, yeah. and he's got his teeth, and he's he's just sneering through his teeth through the whole goddamn movie. And he's got so much hair, and I've realized that a lot of people enjoy body hair on a man. They enjoy the hairy chest, but he's got that. His chest hair is just I, it's, it's wrong. What is that like? Just covering. He's fur. it's covered. It's because he's covered in pubes, not like body. It's, <laughs> yeah. All of it is pubes, and he he is like a gross, sweaty, red, chapped chia pet covered in pubes. How was he put in all these films? And how if we talk about egregious decisions? How is he always paired with these, like, Omega Man, she's fucking cool as shit in that movie. Mm-hmm. Or or Karen Black in Airport. She stole her landing that plane. He took that away from her. Yeah. And he's her boyfriend? What? And then in this, he is married to both our queen, Ava Gardner, and he's also two-timing her with Genevieve Bouchard. Genevieve Bujold as the widow Marshall, who wears a an outfit that is various shades of coral. <laughs> she got it at the Coral Porium. She has a shitty kid. I love her in this movie. Mm-hmm. I love her. I've only also otherwise seen her in House of Yes, I, to my knowledge, oh. um, as Parker Posey's mother. 
She, I know her best. Uh, I will admit it right here in front of everybody that perhaps I know her best from uh, the movie Coma. Coma? I don't know Coma. So based on a Michael Crichton novel, so that tells you about what you're gonna get. But you're admitting this in front of everyone, like this is the most shameful thing you've admitted on this show. I know, I know, this is not the deepest depths I've been at this episode, <laughs> that's for sure. You know, Marjo Gortner's character. Oh yeah? Whose name is Jody Jode. <laughs> More I like Chody Chode. Chody Chode. But uh, I think another nice touch that helps further realize that character is that his big dream is to open a karate school. It's It's such a perfectly realized character. It's true. (laughs) Which, in other hands, a karate school can be cool. But then you hand it to this guy who's a rapist creep that also has all those photos. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Can't you see him, like, hanging out in a parking lot harassing people with, like, nunchucks? Oh, God, yeah. He would just have his... He would just, like, be casually talking to people and doing nunchucks, you know? (laughs) Just chucking out. Because he would think... I mean, nunchucks were a thing back in the day. I don't personally, as a youth in the 80s, of course, nunchucks were there, right? I never owned any, but I knew people who did. Have I chucked a few... Nunchucks. I think. Well, I think after the last few episodes, we've learned you've chucked a few nuns, Stacy. Not a euphemism, <laughs> unless you want it to be, sister. What's this movie about? Uh. <laughs> Nunchucks. I think. What an earthquake happens. It decimates LA. There's the people that says, "Hey, we think an earthquake is going to happen," and then the other people say, "Uh, okay," and then. They just talk about it until, as, as we meet all these casts of characters, then the earthquake hits, everything falls apart, and then the last third of the movie is people going through rubble and Charlton Heston pulling them out of rubble. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, there's the, you know, the big earthquake, and I mean, there's a few small ones at the beginning, right? Is that how it works, though? I thought there was the big one, and then there's aftershocks. Well, this one gives you both. This one gives you a few warm-ups, like Mother Nature's cracking her knuckles. <laughs> like and an then, accommodating lover. And then an hour into the two-hour movie, it's the big one. And, man, the carnage in this movie is wild, right? It, this movie, I mean, if Airport didn't really pay off with, like, that little tiny plane flying into the cockpit and one guy getting sucked out. Yeah. This movie fucking pays it off with that Holy with the shit. titular earthquake. Holy moly. Los yeah. Angeles is destroyed. People are falling out of windows. People have windows fall on them. And they turn around and they have a face full of glass and blood. Oh, that part where she's the the daughter who clearly is like a, an adult stunt woman. <laughs> It's going, yeah. mommy, mommy, and she falls over. Her mom, her quote-unquote mom, who is the same age difference as Ava Gardner and Lauren Green, runs over and grabs her, and she goes, mommy, no, as the window falls on her. That Yeah, fucking glass just rusticking out of her face in your face. Yeah. She looks a little bit like Fran Leibovitz. She does. But a face full of glass and blood. Uh, people falling, cars crashing, everything tumbling a down. 
some spectacular model work, honestly. Honestly. And those were, those, I was looking, I watched the, well, there weren't really special features as much as there were just like a bunch of still galleries. But um, I watched one of the still galleries of the model work and like those were people-sized buildings. Wow. So they were minute, they weren't tiny models, but they were human size. So each one of those buildings was like six foot tall. It looks were, really good. Yeah, it looks really great. Like when you see that church, uh, the St. Gabriel or whatever, cathedral, whatever mm-hmm. one with the 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 conquistador style. Yeah, yeah, that one, <laughs> Natalie Dormer's in it and it explodes. <laughs> um, she, like, it, it looks real. Yeah. The Capitol Records building collapses. Like the whole, like yeah. they have that area of like Hollywood and it looks really good. The only thing that looks super fake is that elevator scene, <laughs> which is perfect regardless. Like people, these fools get into an elevator. There's been this huge earthquake. It's still kind of happening. And a bunch of panicked people pile into an elevator. And of course the elevator falls, right? The way they wanted to film it, was like, they wanted to film it, but it just wasn't working. I guess the stunt, like, wasn't working. And so the director made a snap decision on the fly as they were filming that they would just show a still of people dead in the elevator and then cartoon blood flies at the camera. A fucking cell? <laughs> yeah. Cell cartoon blood. <laughs> shooting at your face it's so good i love it so much. in one of the most awkward edits ever yeah yeah it's it, it doesn't work but it's perfect but it's spectacular because you yeah. have you have that you have the models you have the matte paintings i'm sorry can we just take a moment to appreciate the art of matte paintings no kidding you give you can take your green screen and you can shove it you look at something like Star Wars, where the scenes oh. in the hangar, where there's like a zillion stormtroopers all lined up in their military fashion with the spaceships and shit. Like, those are matte paintings, y'all. And it looks so real. It's like, for me, a matte painting is still like almost indistinguishable from reality. Mm-hmm. And I still don't understand how they set up the shots and made those actually come to life like that in real life. Yeah. I agree. Like, I've seen how they do it. I don't understand it. Because it tricks my eye into thinking that the thing is actually happening. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's showbiz, baby. That's showbiz, baby. That's the magic Ah! of showbiz. (laughs) You dirty apes. (laughs) Um. But then everything, like, there's a huge earthquake. We see it happening all around the city. And then everybody thinks everything is pretty fine. But then there's wave two, motherfucker. Yeah. And all the people who had taken shelter underground in parking garages, which just seems like a bad idea. But I guess where else were they going to go? What a... Go to a field! (laughs) I guess it's LA, so it's not like you can easily walk to a field. Right. Yeah, this is like like, downtown. Go somewhere more open. Go to a stadium, perhaps? Perhaps. I guess this was just the easiest, biggest place but then there's wave two, and ceilings start to collapse. And, I mean, L.A. is completely, basically obliterated. It looks like a post-nuclear wasteland. And It's then, like rebar for days. Rebar and smoke for days. 
Uh, and then you think, well, whew, okay, that's over. But no, 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 my friend, there's wave three. <gasps> Another one where then the Mulholland Dam from the Hollywood Reservoir bursts, okay, and floods the underground and the LA River. And spoiler alert. We have the dizzying high of Charlton Heston dying, coupled yeah. with the depressing low of Ava Gardner dying. Yeah. And there I am in the creamy middle. <laughs> <laughs> and at least George Kennedy and Victoria Principal are alive. <laughs> Who are now a couple. Because he gave her a dog. (laughs) Well, here's what I did, actually. Like, you know, I don't go in for those shenanigans of the we just met and we fall in love. I do like the way it's done in this. It's about the best it can be, which is like, they kind of know each other. He saves her from rapist Marjo Gortner. Who... Because she gets stolen by the by the fed the feds by the, that happens here by the national guard for for donut looting. She did take a donut and took a bite. Yeah, and then she began to look at a cash register. So she gets taken, and then he sees her, and she recognizes him through his disguise from his days as a shopkeeper. And you think he's gonna take care of her, but really, he's found the perfect means to basically lock up a woman and keep her captive. And it's real creepy. It's real creepy. Um, he's living out all of his violent fantasies. He shoots the people in the ro- that were in the rooming house that called him a fag. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's absconded with Victoria Principal, and he's going to rape her, probably. Yep. And then George Kennedy shows up and shoots him. God, it's nice. It's so- And I love his death scene where his wig has popped off. <laughs> he's laying bug-eyed bug-eyed and ha- bug-haired his With hair's his sprung back to its natural state and his wig <laughs> lies there next to him it's so good it's really how all of us should want to look when we yeah. go <laughs> yeah and so she's kind of she's like appreciative in that hysterical way yeah. You know, kind of hugging him. And I think he realizes, like, what's going on with that. And so he, this puppy that he's found in the rubble, he's like, hey, look, take care of this puppy. And then I, what I did appreciate was later when he's going to go and do something dangerous. And she's like, wait, you know, it's dangerous. They don't have a big, like, I love you. Don't go. I'm coming with you. I'll be back, whatever. He's like, bye. And he goes. Hmm. They don't have some big declaration of... It's like maybe they like each other, maybe she just likes him, but he Hmm. fucks off. And then at the end, when he comes back, like, they have a hug, but it's still not, like, fucking Michael Caine and Catherine Ross. Yeah, where they're in love because they took a car ride. Yeah, it's like it almost ends the same way. They're gazing out over the burning ruins of Los Angeles. Yeah. Whereas Michael Caine and Catherine Ross were looking at the Gulf of Mexico. But this movie where George Kennedy is trying not to cry at the end. I love him. Oh, he's great. He's so no, you're great. right. You're right. And then she just runs up and she's just happy to see him alive because yeah. everyone else is dead at that point. Yeah. And she's separated from her brother and Richard Roundtree. So, I don't know. I thought, like, at least that was like a, hey, maybe these two people like each other 
But they don't go there with it, which I thought was really refreshing considering it's 1974. Yeah. I don't know. Especially since we had to watch Charlton Heston. Oh, my God. Be all over Genevieve Bujold. We suffered enough. Oh, I just don't. She is so fucking cool. The way her cadence, her every, the way she reads her lines, like just something. Everything. There's something so unique about her. Mm-hmm. She's and you're telling she's French, exactly. <laughs> and you're telling me that she's trying to hook up with this piece of. I know. Well, especially since when they do hook up, she seems to be so casual about it. She's like, whatever. We're not beholden to each other. Maybe I'll see you later. Maybe I won't. But then she becomes a simp for him later on. Yeah. Which I yeah, I do appreciate. love that she's like, oh, maybe it's just a one-time thing. Meanwhile, he's like questioning throwing his entire life <laughs> away. And... Yeah. Well, you know what I read about oh. this film is that, first of all, originally it was about a half an hour longer, which I'm glad it's not. We don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of it was pre-Quake stuff, but you did find out in that half hour that part of the reason why Ava Gardner, whose character's name is Remy, which is, like, the hottest name yeah. ever. Especially when she's in a captain. And kind of drunk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason why she and Charlton Heston hate each other so much is that because a couple of years before the movie, she had an abortion. Because she didn't want a baby, but he did, and so that's and why they that's the fucking issue in their relationship. Mm-hmm. They cut it out. But here's something else I learned about this movie: when it was on TV, they stretched it out to a two-night event, right? But they didn't restore all of that half hour of footage that they already shot. Instead, they went back and shot additional footage. What? Yeah, so there's more with Victoria Principal and Marjo Gorner. Oh. And there are all new characters. There's some drama on an airplane, which features <clears throat> Deborah Lee Scott as a woman who can read the future via tarot cards. Oh... And I hope, Anthony, that you know who Deborah Lee Scott is. She is the sister of not only Angie of the television show Angie, starring Donna Pescow. She's also the sister of fucking Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. What? Deborah Lee Scott on that show. On Mary Hartman. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I love her. She's amazing. I didn't know her name. I love her. She was a mainstay on, like, 70s and 80s game shows, like $25,000 Pyramid, Match Game. She was a fucking whiz at all of those. I must have seen her on Match Game. I'm a huge Match Game nerd. Love, Deborah Lee Scott. And you're telling me that as all this is going, as all these dramas are being enacted down on the ground, on the, the, well, the rubble and the fault lines, that she's up there flying around in an airplane doing tarot cards? Mm-hmm. I, when we got the... We grabbed the Blu-ray from Movie Madness for this. And there was the regular cut that I watched, the theatrical. And then it said there was an, there was an extended disc. And I wonder if that's on there. Now I might have to watch it. It might be the TV cut. I might have to watch that. Unless they restored the older footage that you were talking about. Right. Oh, but I might have to see now. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, man. Those weird days where they just added stuff for TV. I know, like Halloween. Yeah. And it was a two-night event. 
Imagine that. <laughs> Two-hour movie. <laughs> Stretched out over two nights. Man, talk about those being the days. So I don't know, Earthquake. That's 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 Earthquake, right? Directed by Mark Robson, who directed <laughs> The Seventh Victim and Valley of the Dolls and edited, like, every great Val Luton movie. Wait, this was the director of Seventh Victim? Mm-hmm. You're fucking blowing my mind today with revelation after revelation. <laughs> I know. Good revelations like that, bad revelations like we have to watch Green Inferno. I'm losing it. Yeah. What is happening? I don't know. This guy's a good filmmaker. Yeah. And I think this movie, thinking especially of Airport 75 and contrasting this one is like it's an hour like we've had some a few quakes but it is an hour before the earthquake actually happens but i think this cast and i think these characters are so charming yeah that like it doesn't feel like an hour to me this movie doesn't lag no and it's like build up like you get you get and you get little disasters like the scientists that are like in the fault line digging a trench and they say, like, uh, uh, they're talking to a farmer about this giant trench that they've dug up so they can do seismographic science. Yeah. And they're like, oh, once it's filled in, you won't even know we were here. And then they get in there and then a little pre-quake starts and then they get filled in. Or that guy in the elevator. Uh-huh. Where they, at the dam, where a guy goes down to check the, he goes down in an elevator to check the dam, make sure everything's okay. And then his friend goes to check on him and the door opens and water rushes out and a dead body. Yup. And next thing you know, there's a crack in the dam and then there's a, and then there's the, the water level is raising and you know, something's up because they know how to build tension. Right. (laughs) Versus the swarm. Which you feel every one of those 600 minutes of that movie. Which I have to admit I'm beginning to love more and more the, as you I will. think about it. It's it's a virus. Yeah. Um, but you just think of that fucking giant bee. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But exactly. Which I also love the listeners that were pre-watching The Swarm. And they're like, how long is this opening <laughs> sequence? <laughs> yeah. Earthquake um, just zips right along from beginning yeah, while, to end. With a fucking hour of setup. It's great. Mm-hmm. They know how to do it. They know how like how to get me invested in the lives and the dramas of these characters. Well, the first draft of the script was written by Mario Puzo of Godfather fame. Yeah, wow. Clearly knows something about a sprawling uh, drama with a lot of characters. Yeah, and they get you get the you get the characters you fall for. You get the Ava Gardners. You get you get my favorite thing, which are the little weird roles in these films, mm-hmm. um, like <laughs> Walter Matthau. <laughs> Like what the fuck? Right? Who in the who in the credits is credited as Walter Matushan Kaskaski? <laughs> yeah, he apparently he wanted that alias, and then he started to uh, put forth this fiction that it was his real name. Really? Yeah, but he just literally made it up for this. Movie. That's yeah. I read that he did it uncredited, um, or he did it for, for without pay, and so I think like as a union thing. Yeah. He couldn't use his stage name. And who, much like, um, uh, oh, who was it in airport that slept the whole way through the movie? 
uh, Jerry Stiller. Jerry Stiller, much like him, he's just the dr the comical drunk sitting at the bar trying to take a shot the entire movie as the earthquake is happening. Yeah. You see you see the bartender fall or not the bartender, the cook at the bar falling over and and boiling water falling on his face and then Walter Matthaus just sitting there trying to take this shot. Mhm. Mm it's great. Yeah, and it also affords, this movie also affords you a chance to play that game. Um, hey, is that that guy? Yeah. Like Donald Moffat from The Thing is in this very mm -hmm. briefly. And also the guy who played uh, Roseanne's dad on Roseanne is in it. He's the mayor <gasps> of Los Angeles. Oh my God, when he did that little announcement over the radio? Mm-hmm. That was him. Yeah. Holy shit. See, another you revelation. Know, for me, the true star of this film was um, <laughs> Monica Lewis as Barbara, the secretary. The she, the secretary till the end. <laughs> she really was. <laughs> Who's just always there shaking and making sure that, you know, everyone is getting to safety. Yeah. I loved her. Loved her. I was, mine was the most invested in Barbara making it out okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's great. Yeah, this is a this is definitely my favorite of the disaster movies. It's real good. It's real good. The carnage, like I said, it must be seen to be believed. Yeah. Victoria Principal with an afro. Oh. Ava Gardner being Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner pretending to OD on drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on pills just to get Charlton Heston's attention. God damn it! <laughs> Perfect. I want. I want to be her. I know that we're like not supposed to like her. I think. Oh, but she's the the lead. But she's the lead, and she's living the life I want to live. Honestly. And how great on like while I don't sink to the gross like this weird like heteronormative monogamy guilt thing going on with their relationship. Also, I like I don't want to support that, but also how dare he two time her? Yeah. But then I love that he has to, like, choose if he's going to go at the end, if he's going to go up above the sewer and go back with Genevieve or if he's going to save Ava Gardner. Yeah. And then he does go to save her. But then, you know, obviously the cost is that she dies. But then the payoff is that he dies. <laughs> exactly. And I really, I have seen, I saw this in theaters in Censuround. Oh, shit. Which is literally just, they turn up the bass. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool. Um... And I did not remember him dying in the ending. So it was like an extra little treat. Yeah. It's it's a downer if you like him. Whoever is so no, whoever that, that strange person is out yeah. there. The one Charlton Heston stan listener we have who's really <laughs> angry at us right now for shit talking. Who's just much. angrily polishing their gun. <laughs> yeah. Putting on their ape mask. Yeah, and their, and their uh, Marjo Gortner wig <laughs> disguise kit. I wish. I love Marjo. <laughs> <laughs> of all the actors that I anticipated you zeroing in on in this episode, <laughs> Marjo Gortner was not the one. There you go. Earthquake! Exclamation mark. Oh. If you've well, never seen it, you are in for a treat. You are you definitely have a, a joyful watch ahead of you. It's some of these disaster films can be chores to get through. This is not one. Exactly. Um, speaking of disasters, Stacy, do we have a listener question today? We do. 
<laughs> that was a roller coaster ride. Uh, this question comes from Blasey, <laughs> who asks, "When are you gonna talk about Green Inferno?" <laughs> Fucking troll! Uh, uh, I kid. This question comes from Ashley, who asks. If you wrote a horror screenplay based on today's society and the shit show we're in, what would it be about? And who would you cast? <laughs> and I hope Ashley is not a pseudonym for Jason Blum, who's just trying to steal an idea from us without giving us $50. Yeah, he's listening to this podcast and leaning in with his <laughs> recording brooch. Because <laughs> he doesn't know how to capture audio otherwise. But it's already been captured. <laughs> He's so stupid. He's so stupid. <sighs> anyway. So we, granted, I think, Stacey, it could be argued <clears throat> that we are already living through a shit show horror film disaster epic. Absolutely. Real life. Look out the window, Ashley. Okay? <laughs> yeah, look out the window, Grammy. So... <laughs> So we we took some liberties with this question. Yeah. And we set some some new parameters on top of it in addition to as well as such as. Mhm. What were they? I forgot. <laughs> no, I was waiting for you to finish. Uh well, we came up with a movie together last week when we were discussing the question. Yeah, yes. spoiler. We talk about the questions beforehand, okay? God damn it. <sighs> View behind the curtain. We said, let's do one together, first of all. Obviously, this movie is called Corona Swarm. <laughs> okay. Do you imagine it's two words or one word? Two words, but also every time I think it, my mind calls it Corona Storm. <laughs> So that's the alternate title. So that's the, well, I think Corona Storm could maybe be the sequel where <gasps> there's a Corona Swarm, but then also a weather phenomenon like a tornado oh. or a hurricane that's going to spread it all out even faster and farther. A worldwide global warming event. <laughs> yeah, two nights. Yes, yes, on TV. <laughs> on TV. <laughs> so we came up with Corona Swarm. Our own modern day 70s disaster epic. Yeah. And then it's just like, who do we want in it? And what are the characters? I mean, I think, again, like Earthquake, the title tells you what you're going to get. There's a swarm of Corona bees. (laughs) (laughs) It's airborne now, baby. Mm -hmm, That's right. Uh, And I think we also agreed that like any disaster film and any film and any reality that we really want to live in, this is also going to star President Pilot now back alive, Karen Black. Mm-hmm. Oh, she plays a key role. Yeah. Obviously, she, President Pilot. She's gotta be President Pilot. She has to fly Air Force One <laughs> through those corona swarms. It starts out in France. <laughs> where she's at a one of those summits. Doing her presidential duty. Okay. Dr. Scienceologist Adele Nell is there. <laughs> yes! Uh, and warns President Pilot Karen Black. 
of the approaching corona swarm. <laughs> she saw it on her radar, and the numbers don't look good. Okay. Now, President Pilot Karen Black is not shitty, so she believes the Scientologist. And so she's going to fly Air Force One back to the United States, right? I love a president that flies her own plane. <laughs> That's right. She can do it all. Okay. Now, Adele Anel is like, I will go with you. Like, she could stay in France, but this swarm is headed for the United States. So she's going to go with her on Air Force One. I am willing to be in a cameo role <laughs> as her girlfriend who has to say goodbye. I don't have any lines. We just make out before she leaves. Yes. It's a very crucial scene. Also, one thing I would like is that President Pilot, now back alive, Karen Black, <laughs> and Adele and Elle get on the plane. But then... There's a group of American tourists who have to come back with her. And President Pilot is like, okay, you can come on Air Force One because we have to get you back to safety. And those tourists are the entire cast of Dallas. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Including Victoria Principal. That's right. That's right. So then she's going to fly them back to South Fork. Which is oh. where they live. You would know that if you read my blog. She's got to get them home safe. Got to get them home safe. She's a president pilot who cares. She's president pilot for the people. That's right. That's right. She's who, like, uh, you know, she's uh, just another one of those candles in the wind. <laughs> Marilyn continues to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So there you go. Uh, I don't know who else. Who else is on your list? Man, I love that you have France in there. Well, I had to get Adele in there somehow. Well, because I decided that Ava Green, um, because she doesn't get put in anything anymore, and I don't know why. Yeah. I fucking love Ava Green, so I decided Ava Green is going to be the French president. I love Um, it. But this is where we might get into sci-fi territory. Okay. Because I think the French president might also end up becoming one with the hive mind of the corona swarm and then she becomes the corona queen maybe she could originally do it as a desperate bid to save her people yes but yes. then it gets out of control she she goes in and like in, in an act of sacrifice yeah but then it spirals out yeah and now we have the villainess Oh, yeah. Corona Queen Ava Green. Yeah. Who, she's in a really high-class suit in the first part, and then by the end of it, she's just, like, bees and, like, wings and, like, pathogens and stuff. Adjacent to Alice Krieg as a Borg. Yes. Somewhere between Alice Krieg as Borg and, um... Alice uh, Krieg as Silent Hill. (laughs) And Alice Krieg and Silent Hill and, um, uh, Parasite Eve. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like that kind of vibe, right? Okay. Um, so Ava Green, uh, obviously... So I love that you have this saga... Because these disaster epics have to be so sweeping, right? Yeah. So you have France, and then you have the journey on Air Force One to South Fork? South Fork, yes. South Fork. Good job. And then uh, mine is also looking at Vegas and um, the rural United States. Mm, at the same good, time. Good call. So, meanwhile, I mean, but also, like, we have this intrigue with France, so then we also have to have the UN involved. So Lupita Nyong'o is head of the UN. 
Perfect. Um, uh, meanwhile, that we have this small town where Olivia de Havilland is the superintendent, still. <laughs> exact and, same role. And Laura Dern is the mayor. Thank you. You literally read my mind. <laughs> Laura Dern is the goddamn mayor. Um, Sheriff Gary Busey has to run oh. around and like kind of, he's like, you know, at his wits end, but he's going to get the job done. I see. I love Gary Busey. Um, I decided that this small town also has uh, the the redneck contingent, but like, they're not like the bad rednecks, but like, these are like the Reba and Tremors, like, mm. cool militia. And they're led by Susan Tyrrell, Chris Christopherson, and Cher. <laughs> and they might be bikers also. <laughs> Um, we also, because how could we not, we need to get some information conveyed to us through screens by like via reporters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So not only do we have Paula Prentice investigative reporter oh. running around getting the scoop, but we also have a entertainment tonight or entertainment sort of news reporter, sort of like fourth hour of the today show talking heads. And those are portrayed by Kim and Kyle Richards. <laughs> they were also on my list. Um, we see, we see. Who are they in your list? Well, I was gonna have a scene take place at a Madonna concert, <gasps> and they were gonna be in the audience. But I like yours better. Well, they could be a dual role. They could be covering the Madonna concert for their entertainment show. They're there covering the Madonna concert. When the Corona Swarm strikes and no one believes it. And also, Madonna is uninjured because her veins are full of formaldehyde. Yes! (laughs) She is unscathed and no one believes they think this is all a conspiracy theory. But Kim and Kyle Richards are intrepid reporters. Uh, yes. They went to the same school that Angela Vidal went to, and they <gasps> will stop at nothing to get the story out to the people. True, hard hitting investigative right. entertainment news reporter. <laughs> <laughs> right. While Paula Princess is running around still making everything, on, writing on Steno books for her <laughs> newspaper. That No, and that's great because then this is, that's all happening in Vegas. Right. Which is also where they meet up with Celine Dion playing herself. Perfect. Um, uh, then we also, I decided this is something that you and I are doing, so we need nuns. There has <laughs> to be nuns. And also to honor Helen Reddy in airport. So I said, okay, we need an Ava Gardner role. Ava Gardner mm. as the bitchy, sassy, sarcastic mother superior. Um, there you go. She needs a supporting nun, though, that's like kind of comic relief to also work alongside her. Lorenza Izzo. And Madeline Kahn. Oh, yeah, okay. I like the t- this. I the like two this of duo. them playing off of her. I love it. Obviously, I... timelines are a little jumbled here. <laughs> Obviously, everyone is alive. And, everyone is now and back alive. At whatever age you want them to be. Yes. So there you go. Because honestly, reading this... The vast majority, I mean, I think everybody except Lupita Nyong'o and Adele Nell is, like, over the age of, like, 50 at least. Yeah. And probably <laughs> two-thirds of these people are dead. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so our kind of cast. Our kind of cast. That's um, it. 
this Vegas contingent, as they run and they, you know, they meet Celine Dion and they go off to run and to, to get to safety, um, they're also aided by Pam Greer. Perfect. Who runs a dojo. And this is why I said not all karate people are bad. But she runs a dojo with Grace Jones and Goretta Goretta and Lucy Lawless. And Angela Bassett. And Angela Bassett. And, and so, Marjo Gortner. And Marjo Gortner who found peace. <laughs> They all trade wigs. <laughs> yes. I also had to include, because we need to see some, um, I, I'm so glad that you have, obviously, who would be a better French scientist than Adele? Right. Duh. And also, historically, like, the French scientists are really on it. Like, they were doing way more stuff with HIV AIDS before even the United States was. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 80s. And so, obviously, Adele's satisfying that role. Meanwhile, we have to see some CDC action here. Mm-hmm. And so, we have our head CDC scientist, um, well, the one of the lead scientists assigned to the case is Denise Richards. <laughs> and she reports to the head of the CDC, CCH Pounder. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I would say you had me at CCH, but you clearly had me at Denise Richards. Can we also get <laughs> Dina Meyer in there as another scientist for a little Starship Troopers reunion? Stacy, Can they les out together, Stacey, please? Stacey, they're going to les out, but I don't know that she's going to be a scientist because I cast Dina Meyer, Dina Meyer and Kylie Travis as the frontline paramedics Ooh. who have to work with Denise Richards. In the field. They're all ex-special forces. Yes, they were Green Berets. <laughs> yeah. And now they're the frontline paramedics that are really doing the work. Because it's like doctors get all the acclaim. But it's yeah, like, we yeah. know the nurses and the paramedics work way harder. And then when Dina Meyer has to go out into the field for something dangerous and Denise Richards is upset, Dina Meyer will say, it's all right, here's a puppy that you can hold. <laughs> yes! And then she sits in her lap and holds the puppy. Yeah, while she does science and gives updates to the the other Richardses. Oh. This movie. It's going to be good. At one point, they'll all, they'll find um, First Lady Mary McDonnell, who is just reprising her role from Independence Day, but she is, <laughs> she is married to Karen Black and also still alive. Um, you know, Gloria Swanson has to play herself. Uh, um, and I would appreciate Clary's Starling being in this somewhere, as portrayed by Jodie Foster. And she is partnered up and lezzing out with Gillian Anderson as Dana Scully. And she is now, she is head of the FBI. Mm-hmm. They run it together when they're not kissing. Yes. Oh, my God. Is this the greatest movie ever made? Yeah. The title song, Corona People, is sung by Barbara Streisand. And that's also a connection because James Brolin is in the film as one of the sex objects. Yes. Yes. Um, Love theme from Corona Swarm. Yeah. <laughs> it's Corona, Corona People parentheses. Love theme from Corona Swarm. Yes! Corona People parentheses. <laughs> By Barbara Streisand. Yes! <clears throat> yes. Uh, Can we have in the uh, redneck area somehow, mm-hmm. perhaps... The mayor of that town? or No, Laura Dern was the mayor of that town. Yeah, Laura Dern's the mayor. Perhaps um, the the woman that they all turn to, though. I just want Sissy Spacek to be in there. Oh, 
She, she, um, she runs the general store. The general store, absolutely. But she's and, very, she, like, is respected well beyond that station. Yes. You know, you know. Because when you look at the three women that run the town, really, it's Laura Dern as mayor, it's Olivia de Havilland as the superintendent, and then Sissy Spacek, because she's, like, everyone's mom, because she yes. runs the general store. And her family has been in that town for years and years yeah. and generations. And they're actually facing a big buyout um, that mm. would mean complete devastation for the town. Yes. But they didn't know what devastation looked like until the corona swarm dawned upon them. <laughs> Kathy Lee Gifford also plays herself. I love it. <laughs> this movie. They don't make them like this anymore. Be- well, because half the cast is de- no longer exists, but they don't make them like this anymore. They really don't. First of all, all-star cast is now quote-unquote all-star cast. You might get two or three people you recognize. Maybe Tom Berenger at best. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and then someone else from some TV show 10 years ago. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's the whole all-star of the cast. And then it's all computer. This is, Corona Swarm is practical effects, okay? It's, there are matte paintings everywhere. That's right. Sissy Spacek's general store is a giant matte painting. You know, if Food of the Gods, starring Marjo Gortner, <laughs> could have a cellophane overlay of a giant bug flying around, then clearly we can have a cellophane overlay of a Corona Swarm. Yes! Right. Uh, Over a matte painting. Ava Green on a rope dangling in front of it (laughs) as she flies up upon the populace, dropping her Corona eggs. (laughs) (laughs) It would be so... Such a cool movie. It really would. $50. Jason Blum, I know you're recording this. $50 for all that talent. Yeah. Well, there you go. I love Corona Swarm. I can see the poster. I can hear Corona Mm. people, parentheses. (laughs) Love Love theme from (laughs) Swarm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a winner. I think so, too. It's a shock that more people don't hire us for content. I don't get it. Yeah. Oh, well. Huh. Anyway, uh, Disaster July will continue yet again, right? Because uh, so will July. All things, uh, if they continue as they are. I suppose the future is uncertain. Will there be a July next week? Who can say? (laughs) Who can say? It's really sad that that's an actual question these days. Honestly. Honestly. Uh, if, you know, if it seems like July is too much of a lib month, <laughs> then maybe the Republicans will refuse to acknowledge it and July will end early. Yeah, QAnon will get Q- find the <laughs> truth about July. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, oh, Barring that, though, we'll be back with another disaster. Another disaster movie to weather through these disastrous times. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh my my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! God. Tune in next time!